Good morning, everyone. This is Jerry Lee, and I'm so happy to be with you here today. So we think, we think we have it uh, worked out uh, so that we will not have quite so much noise uh, during my teaching. Uh, we now have the uh, speaker hanging more or less from the ceiling, and that should help. And I hope that you enjoyed uh, my wife on the organ. Uh, she'll be playing uh, quite often for you, and there'll be other music and eventually video as we get up the road. It all is a matter of time. So today, uh, we're going to be teaching on the subject the controversial subject, uh, Prophecy America USA. Now, I uh, have been uh, saying some uh, things um, on the subject about um, America and the financial uh, condition of the world on my blogs. Um, what is important for people to understand is that the blog is just a short little piece of literature and not uh, capable in such a, a small amount of dialogue uh, to really uh, fully cover a subject. So a person, as you would read in the blog, must be very careful to um, try to grasp everything that I am saying uh, within the context of what I am saying. Uh, for instance, um, I know there's been a couple people that wrote me and said, uh, hey, uh, the United States is a republic, uh, not a democracy. And of course, I well know that and have known that uh, ever since uh, quite a young person. Um, and um, But when I use the term democracy in the uh, blog, I used it in connection with the elections and how that the voting and so forth is uh, decided uh, in a sense by a democracy. The person that gets the most votes uh, in almost every case, they become the winner. There are some exceptions to that, but it becomes a democracy in a sense of, of who gets the most uh, state uh, um, plug-ins for being the representative of that state. Sometimes the number of people varies a little bit as to the plus or the negative, but it, 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 it runs along that line. Well, you know, there, there are scriptures in the Bible. There are many scriptures in the Bible, especially in the various um, interpretations that we have available today, uh, that um, do not give the fullest sense of understanding to the Bible, and that is why we are, are doing and making and putting together this Peace Bible. Many, many years ago, I had the vision, the revelation, that if something was not done, if something was not done to uh, interpret the Bible and to reveal the Bible so that the common masses of humans could understand it, uh, that there would be more and more people turning away from the Word of God. And I have felt that to be uh, my mission uh, in life, to bring out this deeper side of the things of God. Now, as to the deeper side of things, um, I think it is extremely 
important uh, to just, uh, you know, cover that uh, with with a few thoughts that will apply uh, in, in in some very important and distinct ways as we we uh, get into this uh, full teaching today. Um, you know, I pray, I, I pray that God open the intrinsic power of insight uh, to the people so that they can absorb the deep word and be able to apply it to the living of both a physical and spiritual life. And I pray that God grant the power to his people to open the form of the word uh, uh, so that uh, the Holy Spirit will be able to uh, to allow them to receive the transfigurations and uh, the understandings of uh, mountaintop revelation. I I feel that it is so important that we um, we understand the Bible, and I want to cover uh, you know a few very interesting things like that. But I first want to say that there is a sizable group of religious fundamentalists who have become extreme uh, propagators of false accusations and cruel designs of disinformation. I'm not saying that they are maliciously doing that, but at least ignorantly they are doing it. And they are so caught up with the end of the world, um, they're so caught up with the fall of the Western uh, civilizations and the rise of the Antichrist, that they have passed over prayer, mercy, and the love of God. And in order to do all things possible to bring their loathing and hate to bear on anyone who might interfere with their prophecy of the end of the world and the Antichrist, they have fallen out of their deep relationship of God and they sound more and more like a person that is filled with venom and hate. And so I'm here to take a stand against that. I'm not here to harm any of those people. I pray for them. But I think that when turmoil comes from the Christians and fear comes from the Christians, that is absolutely anti to the things that Jesus taught. He said in Matthew 24, there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be, you know, men's hearts uh, in another place it mentions failing them for fear. And it, it talks about wars and rumors of wars and all of these things he said are going to happen, but don't let it trouble you. Now, how many people are fastening themselves into the seal of that word that Jesus said, don't let it trouble you? How many people instead are being troubled by these things that are coming over the news media, by these things that are coming across the pulpit, by these things that are being written in books. Well, I tell you, there are millions of people being affected by the way that things are being said. And these religious fundamentalists, they have a responsibility, and they are failing it. And this extreme uh, sense of propagating the false, to false accusations and um, cruel designs of disinformation uh, is not the will of God, and I'm here to stand up against it. 
I'm here to stand up in, in their face if they want me to and go toe-to-toe with the Word of God and with the Spirit of God, like Elijah did with the prophets of Baal. And I'm not calling these people the prophets of Baal, but some of the things they are doing belong to that kind of an order. Now, let's just think about some of the things why we need the Holy Manifest Revelation, why we need the Manifest Peace Bible. Let's look at the scripture that Jesus, uh, our words of Jesus, given in Matthew 16, 28. Jesus said, there shall be some standing here who shall not taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. That scripture quoted in that sense has caused more problems than can even be imagined. Because it's very, very difficult very, very complicated to try to show anywhere these people that didn't taste of death that are already dead and gone by many, 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 many years if you are taking this scripture to refer uh, to the coming of, of Christ to his kingdom. What the sad thing of this is, is a mistranslation. So when you go into the proper translation, the manifest translation, it doesn't read the way that I just read it to you. It reads like this. There shall be some persons standing here who shall not taste of death until they see the Son of Man going to his kingdom. Going to his kingdom instead of coming. And if you go to Strong's Dictionary Concordance, number 2064, you will see that the Greek word uh, applies as a verb that is to be used only in present tenses, not future tenses. So this was translated in a future tense instead of a present tense, and therefore ended up giving the wrong translation, because Jesus did bring his disciples to the mount, and they saw him departing, and going away. And that happened in their generation. And once you know that, it's so breathable. It's so relaxing. It's so peace-giving. It's so sensational. Just that simple little difference of a word, going instead of coming. They were able to see him go away, and Jesus said that that would be the case. Some of those people standing there listening to him, hearing him preach, right then, right at that moment, they would have that opportunity to, ex- to share and to experience this uh, wonderful revelation because they would see him going to his kingdom. And he said that in the New Testament, he says, you know, I go away. I'm going to go to my father's house to prepare a place for you. It was a big thing, this going away. It was tied into the resurrection. It was tied into the stone being rolled away. It was tied into the victory of the cross. It was tied into the glory, the glorification of Christ. Now, there's another scripture that has also 
by its mistranslation caused a lot of difficulty. In Matthew 24, 34, the scripture says this, This generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. And no matter hardly how that you take that generation, whatever numbers that you use, uh, in the sense of a generation, referring to people, that generation was gone. Even if you use the term age, it, it, it doesn't really quite fit. But there is a word that does fit. And, and it is right into the parable of the Bible, of the verse uh, connection that is part of this whole revelation. And it's simply changing the word generation to the word nation. And if you take the time to go to Strong's Concordance, number 1074, you will see that that, that is definitely one of the words in the Greek that simply and wonderfully and easily can apply for the Greek word instead of generation. So then it will read like this. This nation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. Now, not coincidentally, but specifically and definitely, Jesus was comparing this to the fig tree and the fig leaves. And most people will agree that the fig tree is, is a symbol of Israel. So that was right all connected to and part of this, and he, he clearly said it's a parable. So when we understand that that's what he was talking about was the nation of Israel, then it makes so much sense when it says this nation, this nation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. Now that makes sense, because what were the kind of things that he, that he was talking about that would have to happen? Well, I can't read all of them, but many would come in my name to deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. These things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, and diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. It says, he shall, they shall afflict and, and kill you. You will be hated of all nations. Wow. That's, that's part of the list. That is part of the list. So, as we begin to to get these scriptures into our mind and see how that they should be read, what a change it makes. Of course, Israel is going to be there right through the tribulation. Of course, they're going to be there right to the end of time. They're going to experience all these things. Now, the scripture makes sense. How many people have taken off on a veer, because having the wrong interpretation, the wrong translation of these scriptures, wow, lots, lots and lots of people. And, you know, what do we have going on in the world today? <clears throat> well, a mess, both politically, religiously. There's a mess, but 
If we're not to, to let earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and all those things trouble us, then somehow God is calling us to be trouble-free people, trouble-free in our mind, trouble-free in our heart, trouble-free in our spirit, trouble-free in our soul. Well, there are some collisions of prophecies. There are people in the name of religion, in the name of Christianity, that are making prophecies. And let's talk a little bit about Obama, Barack, Barack Obama. Let's talk about him. Did I vote for him? No, I didn't vote for him. Do I believe that Obama is the man of the hour for the job he has? Yes, I do. And time is going to prove this if a bunch of you radical people out there don't try and succeed in assassinating him. Now, Obama said some things, and I, I have taken the time to read and to watch videos of practically everything that is available out there that has been put out that are making horrendous claims against Obama. And I don't believe in that kind of, in that kind of, of dealing. I don't believe in going out and making up lies because people that do that are just as bad off as the people that made false testimony against Jesus Christ when he was brought before of the court. That's not making Obama equal with Jesus Christ. Don't give me some kind of false interpretation of what I'm saying. But it is an equal kind of sin. And God is not for that. Now, Obama made some statements about the book of Leviticus condoning slavery. Hey, he's right, it does, does condone slavery. He made some statements about that scriptures in the Old Testament allow you to stone a child if it's a disobedient child. <laughs> That's correct. It is in there. So what does someone do? What do they do? They say, oh, how this horrible person who has said these things, doesn't he know that this book, these books have the, give us the law, the Ten Commandments? Yes, I know that, and I'm sure that Obama knows that. But I don't feel all that great about the Ten Commandments and the Covenants and all that stuff. That was all done away with in the New Testament. Not done away with in the sense of eradication, but done away with in the sense of fulfilling it for the meaning of what it meant to be. So this is very, very important that we understand fulfilling the law. He says, Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but it's not full, it's not fulfilled. I came to fulfill it. Now, he went on in different cases and places, and he says, you know, the Old Testament, the prophets say this, but I tell you this. I tell you something different. 
Now, Barack Obama mentioned something about the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, you know, if we follow those kind of rules, I don't know how that would work for the defense of our nation. He's right. Do you understand what it says in there? You know, it talks about turning the other cheek. It talks about loving your enemies. If someone sues you, uh, you know, to give them twice what they're asking for. It talks about settling real fast with your adversary. (laughs) That's all in the Bible. That's all part of the New Testament teachings of Jesus Christ. Of course, most people don't understand that almost everything, according to the Bible, that Jesus taught was taught in parables. So you can only understand these things, not by morphing them, but you can only understand them by having the translation, the interpretation of what it means parabolically. So, I'm not going to say like some people have done on, on, on uh, their videos, that because Obama said these things, that means that he hates Jesus Christ. That, to me, is diabolical. And those persons that are doing that and saying that, I tell you now, are headed for the judgment of God. The Bible tells us that we are to honor those our leaders. That doesn't mean that they're perfect. That doesn't mean that they're sinless. But it says that's what we are to do. Now, I find it so interesting how that there's so many people that are so sensitive and afraid that someone is going to step on their sacred toe. I find it so important that people need to understand. Someone says, yeah, well, Obama says that that the United States really isn't a Judeo-Christian nation. Well, <laughs> it's probably right. Not probably, it is right. Don't get confused with the United States having a Christian heritage but not being a Christian nation, and for sure not a theocracy. If you think that Christian, Christ-like, is what the United States is right now, and that if Jesus came and took over charge and became head of the United States, that he wouldn't have to really do hardly any corrections because the nation is so Christian, so Christ-like, then you really need to go see a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or you need to pray until your eyes are so full of tears that you you can't even hardly think straight because you are crooked in the brain. Now, I know I may offend some people. I know some people may not want to listen to me saying these kind of things, but I'm going to tell you something. I will not favor people in politics, in religion, in ideologies, or any of those kind of things that people are trying uh, to smash their point through. I believe in the Word of God that says we must all, each one of us individually, we must all work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We have an inalienable and inalienable right to make our decisions. I will not judge you for having the, the opinion 
that might be just as contrary as some of the things that have been said, but I will have an opinion, heated opinion upon you if you go out and try to teach that to others because that is a different kind of thing. So the United States, yes, it has a Christian heritage and a Christian promise, but it is not a Christian nation. Well, it looks like you're still there, and that's good. This end of the world thing, this 2012 thing, my God, how does that go along with this is not the end? This is only the beginning of sorrows. How does that go along with not to be troubled? How does that go along with prophecies? I'll tell you how it goes along with prophecies. There are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of prophecies that have been given by religious organizations, have been given by teachers, pastors, priests, ministers, that have failed and have made to the church a laughingstock to the world. And this is a new recent thing. It goes way back. In 90 CE, St. Clement, predicted the world's end could happen any moment. St. Martin of Tours predicted the end of the world before 400 CE. Oh, in the year 1000, January 1st, many, many Christians in Europe predicted the end of the world. Prior to this date, Christian armies waged wars against non-Christian countries in the belief they might be able to force some of them to become Christians. Does that sound like something else? Does that sound like the doctrine of Muhammad? Of course it does. Forcing people to believe what you believe. This isn't new. This thing of killing people, of torture, is big time in the history of the Christian world. It's not just pagan. It's in the history of Christianity. Let's face it. Come on. John of Toledo predicted the end of the world to be in 1186, based on the alignment of many planets. <laughs> does that sound like 2012 over again? Of course it does. Pope Innocent the the third predicted the end of the world by adding the number 666 to the date Islam was founded. Oh, oh. Boy, there's some of that going on out there right now. The Black Plague was seen as a prelude to the end of the world. This plague called, caused by fleas and rats spread because Christians had killed so many cats because they feared they were they were uh, being used by familiar spirits with the witches. And they killed off all these cats, and after they did that, the rats just began to boom in their population. And thus came the Black Plague. Ha! Whoa, come on, people. This is real stuff I'm talking to you about. Old believers in Russia believed the end of the world would come in 1669. Burn themselves to death to protect themselves from the Antichrist. 
Wow. Charles Wesley, one of the founders of, of the Methodist Church, thought doomsday would be in 1791 or 94. Whoa. Guess it didn't happen. We're still here. And in 1889, John Balu, who was a famous prophet at that time, predicted the end of the world for ni in 1947. In the area uh, where he was, religious people that gathered around him, they were so elated and so believing in this prophecy of his that they began to tear down uh, the American flag, trample and 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 pre preached that you know we and they trampled it and preached that all nations would be demolished when this new world came in, and uh, and so they just opened for all people to come and go as they pleased. And you can find that kind of a philosophy that happened in the Old Testament. And Nostradamus and his quadrains. In 1999, the reincarnation of a great king or emperor was supposed to happen so he could be available to fight against the Antichrist. Wow. And then I saw this video of Obama's speech when he was receiving his presidential nomination. And just some very simple, clean, clear words that he said. Someone de decided to reverse tape those words. And they found by reverse taping it, they could create something that he was saying that sounded like that he was supporting Satan. I'm going to tell you something. There are some lessons that are going to be learned by some of these people that are doing this. You go out and you start pulling off stuff like that, and and when you, you do these Bible codes and you take a bunch of words, and then you come out like, oh, isn't this interesting? Uh, here, if you take these words and use them through the computer, it says this, it says that. Well, you can you can use that same method, and you can go into a storybook, and you can get all kinds of interesting results. What has our Christian nation come to? What in the world has gone wrong with people who just believed in God and in the love of God? When Sodom and Gomorrah were to be destroyed and the angels revealed it to Abraham because Abraham was such a caring person, because he had family representatives over in that nasty country. He didn't ask for just his family to be spared. He asked that God would spare Sodom and Gomorrah. And he kept 
trying different numbers that there only would be this many if there would only be that many. Finally, it got down to ten. If there's only ten people, would you spare it? God said yes. But there were not even ten people that could be found in Sodom and Gomorrah. But I'm going to tell you something. Abraham was using love and he was using prayer. We should be using love and prayer, not hate, not charges against people based on false information. I'm telling you something. I started preaching when I was seven years old in my grandmother's church. I pastored a Presbyterian church at 16 years old. While I was still going to school. I evangelized. I've received hundreds and thousands of prophecies. These prophecies were written up and handed out sometimes years before they came to pass. But we have never had a failed prophecy. The Bible says in the Old Testament that a prophet who is a prophet that speaks peace, that that prophet is a great prophet. I'm not trying to make myself a great prophet, but I'm trying to tell you what the Bible says. The Old Testament people, they were people that were still, still had a lot of pagan in them. We read the Psalms, and we love the Psalms, and we read about David, and we love those stories. But David knew and confessed that he was a bloody man. I don't think people really realize just how bloody he was. I don't think people realize that he was actually involved through his army and through his, his captains of the host of doing some horrible things to other people. He took the, the, the Amorites and marched hundreds and thousands of them through a brick kiln with fire. Marched them through the fire and had saws and hacks and all kinds of weapons Anyone that didn't go through the line and walk through that fire was sawn and hacked. That's in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. That's a fact. That's in the Scripture. It's real. It happened. You can find that in that scripture. You can find that in the Old Testament. And later I get a chance I will I'll give you the verse. They took over in the city of Selah about ten thousand persons up to the top of the rocks and cast them off alive down on the sharp rocks below. And watch their bodies splash and tear apart, blood spewing out. 
That happened during David's reign. Sure, the Amorites were bad people. Sure, the king, when he conquered the nation, would oftentimes take out the right eye of all the people that were left alive. But does that mean that a Christian nation or a nation that is a covenant nation should practice those cruel things just because other nations practice it? Of course not. I've had people say to me, well, I didn't know that that was in the Bible. Well, you probably did not. But for sure it is in there. And when the Jews Jews were forced to go through the, the kilns, they were reaping, I guess, what they sowed. I don't believe in that. In the sense of that that being the first priority of God. But it is cer- certainly something that's going to happen in the way of impetition if people don't find a way to get on the right side of God. Now, I recently put out a, a blog in which I talked about is the um, nation of Israel... And I talked about the nation of the United States and how that the United States was chosen as the the eagle and the eagle wings of the woman in the twelfth chapter of of Revelations represented the eagle helping the woman. And someone wrote me, and this is really about the first time that I have referred in my preachings or blogs to someone that that has risen but this time I'm I'm going to tell you right out I am referring to that and this person said oh no that was the that that woman represents Israel well I'm sorry that you are so wrong that you did not take that scripture in the context of the chapter and of the book of revelation and of the bible that you did not go to the first verse of the twelfth chapter of Revelation and see that this woman is glorified in the heaven, that she represented a whole clan, a whole Ophanim clan, and that she was cast off by the tail of the dragon to the earth, and it represents a whole group. And the name for group is church. And if you make this woman to become Israel, which it does become Mary, the mother of Jesus, and therefore Israel, you destroy the whole revelation of the Ophanim fall of the angels. And that's dangerous to have that kind of a mind, putting out that kind of incorrect information. And unacceptable to me. I had this same person giving me a scripture trying to show that 
Israel was not going to need any nation. There was not going to be, when, when the, the War of Armageddon took place, Israel was not going to have any nation on its side. Wow. What a failure. What a failure of Christianity. What a failure of, of the ethics of the Israel people. That not even one nation would be converted enough, believing enough, that they would be standing there on the side of Israel. And they gave me the scripture, Zechariah 14.2. And it says this, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken. So he says, ah, there it is. All nations. That means there won't be any nation anywhere that will be on the side of Israel. Well, that's just a false interpretation of that scripture. Absolutely false. Because those kind of interpretations are made by people that do not understand the language character of how Hebrew works and how there are implied words in it. How that in the very Hebrew language, one of the biggest things is that you have to take it for understanding what it means just based on the information that it is there. And what it really is saying when you take it contextually and when you take it even language-wise, it is saying, for I will gather all nations who are against Jerusalem to battle. Now, all you have to do is just go into the scripture a little bit of that same chapter and and look at what it says in the in the twelfth um, verse. It says, "And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem." It has to do with the people that come to fight against Jerusalem. In the 16th verse, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem. So, it's talking about all the nations that came against Jerusalem. All the nations who were against Jerusalem. Not all the nations in the whole wide world. All the nations in the whole wide world couldn't fit into the valley where the Armageddon is going to take place. And I'll tell you what, be very, very careful when you are interpreting the word all. There are hundreds of cases where that word has been used. And you can clearly see in many of the cases that all is not an all-conclusive, it is a specific application. And if you miss that, you'll totally miss so many, many different revelations of what the Word of God is really saying. Yes, do we understand that Israel was a divine agency chosen to bring uh, the gospel to the world? We see that in Isaiah 49, 66 through 8. We see that in Genesis 22, 16 uh, uh, through 18. We see that in Acts 
possibly uh, 527 and Acts 241 through 42. But we also know that, you know, there's a new covenant that has been made. Spoken of in Hebrews 8, 8 through 9. Now, I have said that the United States and other nations have been put in place of proxy for Israel while they are going through this special time um, of, um, of rejection by God. So it says, oh no, God, God has said he would never take away their promise. God has said that uh, they would always, you know, uh, because of Abraham and Isaac or, and or Abraham and Jacob and, and, and various uh, offspring that they would always have the promise. Uh, yes, that is true. But that does not mean, and it's very clear through the scripture at different times, uh, that the grace of God has lifted from them and they've had to go through uh, captivity and terrible suffering. A very positive, powerful scripture is in Isaiah 54, verse 6. For the Lord hath called thee, the Lord has, has, hath called thee as a woman, forsaken, grieved in spirit, and a wife uh, as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith God. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies I will gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. It's absolutely Bible that Israel has been put in this place where they have been set aside and there are nations that are in proxy for them. And I'll tell you, one of those nations is the United States of America. And that is why I'm here on this meeting today and I'm telling you people that are here listening that it is your absolute duty, it's your absolute job as Christians to pray for the United States of America, to pray for its salvation, to pray for its leaders, to pray for its Christianity. The power of prayer is amazing. It is the miracle of life. If you will be obedient to these words that are the words of the Lord God, then I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that you will be a tool that can change destiny. Absolutely change destiny. Now the Bible tells us that God has made instruments of honor and instruments of dishonor. And that he uses them both for different kinds of things. We can go back in the Old Testament and we can see where God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. But yet God used Pharaoh to do and to perform certain things that would bring about the miracles and the ultimate deliverance of the children of Israel. We can see other many such cases of that throughout the Bible. We never know when someone has been chosen as a leader. And I'm not making any accusation. 
but they are the person of the hour, and they're chosen for whatever they are and for whatever they are not. They are the chosen persons to take a nation through a specific and difficult time. So, I want to talk now a little bit about, um, I want to talk about the, um, the economy. I want to talk about the fear spreaders who have spread this thing about fear to everybody they can about trembling, about the end of the world, about the terrible practical destruction of the dollar and of the economy and where it's heading. Because there's a lot of disinformation out there in the political scenes. But get something into your head. When we are told there's 10.2 official unemployment, and there could be more than that not recorded, but it still means that there are somewhere approximately 90% of the people who are working. That's awesome. And don't get in your brain that this is the highest unemployment there's ever been. During the Depression, it got up to something like 26% and more. And get something else straight. These massive job losses didn't begin at Obama becoming president. They started over a year ago. And someone says, yeah, well, what about the inflation? That started when, with Obama. You are 100% incorrect. There are graphs that show the spike. There are statistical reports. And inflation started spiking over 18 months ago. And those are graphs that are followed by economists. did not start with Obama. It started over 18 months ago. You have to remember, the first trillions of dollars that were called for were called for by President Bush. And once this was set in motion, the only thing to do was to go out and borrow money. Now someone says, yeah, well that's going to destroy everything, and our kids are going to have to pay this off, and we'll be in bondage for... for you know, years and years. You don't, you're not an economist. You don't know what you're talking about. And most of these economists out there are political. And so they're not telling the truth. And a lot of them don't know what they're talking about. Well, let me tell you a few things that maybe you've never heard before. If you are kind enough and interested enough in honesty to listen.
when Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac went under, there needed to be something like $5.4 trillion in order to go into the, the home debt loss. When AIG, the largest insurance company in the world, went, uh, went under, they had to start off with at least $85 billion. And that doesn't even begin to count the billions and billions that went into the four largest banks and the auto industry. And people say, sure, how are we ever going to get that paid back? Well, listen to me. There was stock taken. The government took over Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, AIG, and these banks. Some say, yeah, that's what I thought. That's government control. Aren't you absolutely brilliant to say that? Aren't you absolutely a speller of intelligence to say that? You've been listening to the media that are famous for telling the wrong facts. The brilliance of this is that there was stock bought and taken over in these firms. And it was done so in the name of the taxpayer. Handled by the government, but as representing the taxpayer's money. When these companies begin to come around, and the stock goes up, and it will, it's totally possible, and I'm expecting that this will happen, that the stock will be worth more than the money the government invested into buying this stock out of these companies that were failing. That will be literally trillions and trillions of dollars. Trillions. Possibly enough to more than pay back the, the current $12 trillion that has been put out and planned to be put out. And I know we're not talking right now about, you know, uh, money for health and some other things. But let's just take one thing at a time. Someone says, oh, the government's taking it over. It's the government's job to step in. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if they would have let all those banks fail, AIG, the largest insurance company, fail, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, all these other companies just totally fail, would you have ever been blaming Obama then? Would you have ever been in despair? Would our country have ever, ever lost its dollar value then? Someone says, yeah, but they're just printing money. Yeah, isn't that nice? I think that's just great. I think that the United States is worth, value-wise, the equity of everything they have put out, plus many, many, many times that. And if you get off this idea of gold, because remember, Roosevelt took gold away from the private, private parties and took it over by the government 
and paid them, you know, 10 to 20 percent less than what it was worth on the market. And they had no choice. And Nixon, he made it so that gold could not be the standard for the dollar. And he had disallowed it being converted into dollars. He instead allowed the dollars to float and didn't tie it to any standard. And Reagan, Ronald Reagan, he was a great, great guy in many ways. I really liked his style. And during his tenure in office, working toward raising money, he raised over $17 trillion. Subtract $12 trillion, our current money output, from $17 trillion, hey, you've got money left over. And that was done in a short time. Now let's look at this. If the United States was being uh, operated like we do when we go to get a, a loan from the bank and we have to show a financial statement of worth and we show our obligations on one side and our, our offset on the other side, which is our, our worth, I'm going to tell you right now, regardless of any, what anyone says, you took all of the incredible values that are high secret, uh, secret investments into electronics and super weapons and all of the land and all of the, the reserves. It would far out out-invest the loss. The United States is still a powerful country. The thing that Obama has done is that he has gone against the grain. He has stepped out there. He is at least trying to not follow the political ramifications and here's what I believe that Obama has in mind. I believe once that his program is successful to get the economy back on track, and this is going to take some time, might take a few years to complete it, I believe he is then going to close down the Federal Reserve as being a private corporation. Because number one, that, that organization is not constitutional. Number two, it is federally controlled in the sense that the government through Congress and the presidency have the power to vote it out of existence and to change the consequences of it. These big, huge banks that are being able to print money through the Federal Reserve with no cost to them but make interest on every dollar they loan even to the United States. But that no one has done much about 
Although Abraham Lincoln and Kennedy tried, I believe Obama will be successful. Oh, what about this thing that he might be a Muslim? I don't believe he's a Muslim. Well, I have seen, you haven't seen nothing any factual. I've seen everything that's out there. He may have roots in the Muslim, but I don't believe he is a practicing Muslim or really even deeply into the Muslim thing. That's my belief. And I think the fact that he has had those connections is a plus for the United States at this time when they are under siege by terrorists who are Muslims. And we're only talking when you start talking the long period of the, of the nation and its continuance, a short time even if he gets put in for two terms. Quit trying to make the end of the world out of everything. If he does this, there's enough money that is owed to the taxpayers and to the government by the Federal Reserve for money they have taken on interest that actually goes against the Constitution. Because it actually says in the Constitution that the government shall not give power to any organization to control the dollar. Believe it if you want. Don't believe it if you want. You're free. But before you jump into bed with some of these raving people that in the end, after they've said all that they've had to say about the end of the world and about all the failure of everything, that it, it amounts to you buying something they have for sale. I'm telling you now, Jesus said, don't let this trouble you. I'm telling you now, don't let it trouble you. I'm telling you now, turn to God and say, God, you take care of this nation. You take care of this man, Obama. If he starts to do something that's not right for the nation, God, put your spirit upon him and begin to control him to make the right decisions. Protect this nation of America who has helped many, many poor nations, who has helped spread by the Christians sending out translations all over the world, who's had freedom of religion, freedoms of the right of speech. God bless America, land that I love. You don't like America? Where are you going to go live? Point to me one nation <coughs> anywhere on the planet. You think you might find some little special spot somewhere? How long before some unstable, colossal thing will come your way? The government become unstable. Be aware of what you do. Be careful. The fear spreaders, they will tell you that, oh, well, look what's happening. Look at the inflation. The inflation that is going on right now is all part of the plan of the government. It's being used to help pay off the debt. And it's not the first time that a government has done that. And in my opinion, it's a good program. I think that some of the ideas of people that make more money being involved to help, 
pay these bills, they should do it. Yeah, we know that the balance sheets of tax income is, is you know, uh, not that much money. But there's all kinds of other ways that money can and will come in. Now, Steve Forbes, who is a former uh, Republican candidate for presidency, when they were trying to get him to say that everything's about ready to go down the drain, and he was seeming to be saying that, then they turned around and they asked him a question, because he's a man that's quite versed in the knowledge of economics. They said, well, what is your advice to young people? What should they do? Is, is it safe to invest? Is it? He said, well, you know, for the, for the young people, yes. They can, they can invest in the stock market. He's, he's expecting that the stock market is going to start even continuing to go up more in 2010. And he said, I quote, America always comes back. And when you have a government guarantee like you have now on all these different companies that they bought out. <laughs> he indicated that's currency worth investing. Ladies and gentlemen, it's just not like what people have been saying. It's just different. Yeah, we know that the media has a spin on it. And we know that there are marketing people that have a way of arousing and emphasizing the market turndowns, but saying now this is the time to invest, because even though the market is going down, we can show you how to make hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars. And there are those saying, yeah, a contraction is going to take place, and we're headed for hyperinflation. Well, for sure the government's not going to allow deflation. But eventually they will handle that hyperinflation. Believe me, it's just a matter of time. Now, listen to me. I want to not go on forever with all this. Some people say, "Hey, but what about what about what about China? Wow, look at look what the look how great they're doing." Don't don't get too excited about that. Their pollution. It's going to cost them multi-billions, maybe trillions of dollars to clean up to just make that nation properly livable. And it is a known fact, or at least it is a highly expected suspicion, that China has been cooking its books up on a massive scale. That means that a lot of the claims that they are putting out to the world markets is all based on false accounting. Don't get too caught up. Don't get too caught up in gold. You know, wonder if a government decides to make it so you can't personally handle it, hold it any longer, or make some changes with it. Don't don't get too 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 worked up. Someone says, "Yeah, well, what about Obama and this thing on abortion?" Well, first off, it goes to the people. Every person has to decide if they want an abortion or not. I don't believe in abortion. I'm against abortion. But I think abortion, if we take that term in the sense of life being cut off and it not being able to fulfill 
a time of living, then we could apply it to to young people as soldiers who go out in a war and and are killed. That they are in a sense uh, put in a situation where their life has been aborted. They cannot finish it. They cannot live. Yes, they're older than a baby. But there are multi-millions and millions of people all over the world that in that sense of using the word, their life gets aborted. Sometimes by disease or murder. Anything that cuts off a life before it rightfully would have been able to have lived a longer time has aborted that. And they talk about aborting a flight, aborting a mission. Well, I think life gets aborted in other ways than just as it applies to a fetus. And I don't wish for any of that or hope for any of that or believe for any of that. But it does happen. But people have the right to choose not to abort. We do have situations where these people, it's just like what they said with criminals getting guns. You can make it so nobody can have guns. That way everybody is unarmed except the criminals. The criminals will always get arms. You can apply that to abortion. You can tell people not to get aborted, but there will still be, if they want aborted, they will find a place or a where, or they'll, they'll do something that maybe risk their own life or harm the child. They'll, they'll, they'll do their abortion. So I'm not pro-abortion, but if there's a way to help people and pay for that instead of them just doing it anyway, uh, there's a certain mercy in that. Well, what about this thing about uh, uh, the laws and the liberality on the gays and what it says in the Old Testament? What it says in the Old Testament, I am not basing just an awful lot of what it says in the Old Testament to be worth just an awful lot. Although I have probably read the Old Testament more times than probably the average minister, priest, or or, uh, liturgical person. And I love the Old Testament. But I know what it says. And I know what Jesus said. I know that many of those people, like even Moses, had committed murder. They were soldiers, besides. I I can tell you stories of priests that have gone out and killed killed people, like the priests that killed many of the Meridianites. I can tell you that women were not treated justly in the Old Testament. And a lot of religions are based on those kind of ideologies till this day. No, I'm into following Jesus. I'm into his love and his mercy. I'm into the believing that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That God so loved the world. Yes, I don't believe in being a gay. But I don't believe in destroying the person's life who happens to be a gay. I believe in mercy and prayer. And I am not going to judge Obama for what he believes on that. He has his own political views and reasons. 
But if I had time, which I'm running out of time here, to really tell you all the all the answers in the scripture on that, your eyes would would be opened. I mean, I know going back to the economic situation that there are people that are sealed up in their mind in following economic indicators. You know? And they look at consumer spending. They look at the NASDAQ index. They look at the Baltic dry index. They look at inflation and deflation rates, dollar value, stock index on world trading and world money exchange market. They look at home sales, auto sales, employment percent. And then after looking at all that, they they might make a decision that there's an economic reversal in the making. And most of the time, with all of those discerning, they're wrong. So ladies and gentlemen, I say to you what Jesus said. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus Christ. Pray for the nation. Pray for your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Don't hate the Muslims. Pray for them. Someone says, oh, I'm not praying for no Muslims. Then I don't think you'll make it through the pearly gates. If you can't pray for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, I think you may have to go into suspended animation or suspended spiritual something until you get all of the hate out of you. Because that hate is going to take you down. You have to stop hating and you have to start loving. You have to not be biased of color, biased of race, biased of nation. You have to love. That is the premise. That is the law of life. That's my message. Now we're going to get into uh, some Gentile praying for the sick. I want to say this. I am not a doctor of medicine. I have a doctor degree that is um, liturgical. Doctor of Divinity. And I have been practicing this Gentile, which means generative touch, for five, six years, and have seen some absolutely incredible miracles. Someone said to me, well, you have to have faith to get healed, don't you? I said, well, if, it's, if you're doing uh, evangelistical type of healing... Yes, that takes faith. The laying on the hands ministry, that's based on faith. This particular type of healing is not based on faith. Someone says, oh my, how can that be? Well, I'm going to tell you. Like, for instance, if you already have something, then you don't need the faith for it. And you already have in your body the capability for most things of being healed by the pharmaceutical chemistry that's in your body that if the body could just release the energies and the right messages could get to the right receptors, 
you could be totally healed of almost anything. And that was already put there by God, so God gets the glory. But you already have that. The kingdom of God is already within you. The the attitudes of the diadems of God are already within your body. Praise be God. Praise be God. So we're here today with that understanding. And I want to tell you, I'm getting some incredible email and, and incredible telephone calls about some wonderful healings that have taken place through this Gentile ministry. And I'm calling you now to, to come with your hearing to this word and to come into a super conductivity of your spirit and your mind and become aligned to the wavelength and the wave light, crest to crest and trough to trough, so that I can gentile your neural network to open to connective strengths, and I can order your axons to fire with such excitability, your synaptic crossovers will touch the very spirit of creativity. Does that sound exciting? It does to me. It is time to see you electricity in electricity of sight and seeing. It is time for you to enter into this teleological perspective and vision so that when these words come as electromagnetic energy over the sound waves to you and into your ear, that the workings in your ear will convert them to signals that will go to your neuron transmitters. And this word will be translated and signaled into your body. Wow, that is exciting. I talked to you some time ago about how that there is at the end of the synapses a knob-like terminal of nerve axon that is called the bouton, B-O-U-T-O-N. And certain genetic terminations um, can be found there, but certain kind of memory is allowed there that is capable of being used to bring forth impulses that can be carried from the axon terminal to each and every axon terminal. And that can speak to the neurons in their specific shapes and specific electrical charges and, and chemical signatures by which they synthesize secretions at the voicing of those signals that pass over the synaphysis. Believe me when I tell you that behind every thought of feeling, there's a molecular reaction in the brain. 
Behind every molecular reaction, there's an enzyme that created a molecule. And also behind every enzyme, there is that ultimate creation, the gene. These are exciting things to know because they can help you deal with stress. They can help you improve your lymphatic immune system. They can go directly into your liver, into your pancreas, into your thyroid. They can promote proper operation. Right now, let's not worry about the subject of the health bill that's trying to get passed. And all of this addendum things like Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, prescriptive drugs. Let's think on, let's think on this power of Gentile as we speak over the cyberspace to you today. I want you to feel this power of God as many people are feeling it during these Gentile sessions. Today, I want to deal with people that are having diabetic problems and people that are having bipolar problems. Here we go. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, to lymphatic gland, to the pancreas. Begin to balance within the pancreas the proper distribution as it's given to be normal by the body. Begin to eliminate these unbalances that are causing diabetes and the suffering of diabetes in so many people. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, to lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic, sympathetic neurotransmission system, to the cerebellum. Begin to send messages through all the transmission, all the transmission ports of every hemisphere, through the corpus callosum, connecting to the hemispheres, the frontal and rear lobes, Begin to send messages from the white cells that are in the spinal column to the sympathetic cortexes for both those energies that travel upward in their spins and that come downward in their spins. Begin to cause this energy to be so specific in the individual that is listening that it begins to deal specifically to open in the body the receptors and to give the proper color and the proper formation of shape to the key, the message 
to open those receptors and bring about the healing of this disease. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the thyroid, to the various glands in the brain, begin to receive serotonin. Begin to receive a small amount of dopamine to now deal with those persons that are fighting the depression of bipolar and its opposite kind of effects disease. Begin to release them by this infusion of the fear, of the panic, of the terror, of the stress. Begin to release small amounts of adrenaline when they are in their depressive part of the bipolar. Begin to deal with them in evening out the release of certain glandular type of substance by interjecting into the liver strong infusions of vitamin B and connecting this to the left hemisphere and the stress center in the brain. and creating anti-stress hormones to cancel out stress hormones. If there's any inhibitors or blockers or messages anti to this, they are now canceled. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for today. I would like to hope as you are listening to the organ in the background that more of you would um, tell other people we thank you for the groups out there and I've had a large number of people tell us that when they cannot be there for the broadcast but they, they record it and then they play it back and someone said can you still receive healing even though it's a recorded message absolutely and would you please get on our blogs and would you please let us know what God is doing for you. That's important to other people. God bless you. We love you. We are giving this message to you because we love you. Bye now.